This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black Today, the postgame edition, the Raiders... 20 points. Yes, they win 20 to 17. Oh, 21 17, excuse me. I see I got so excited, Murph. I, I didn't know how to count to 20. Uh, 21 17 over the New England Patriots in a nail biter. Uh, we are here again, uh, Odyssey Original Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. If you're watching us on YouTube, I can see the chat going crazy already. So thank you for being with us. If you're watching us on x.com, on LinkedIn, on Twitch, wherever you're watching us, Thanks for being with us here. It is Scott Branson along with uh, my good friend Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, who comes on with us for the postgame, gives us his voice of the fan segment. This game, crazy, feels a lot like last game in the fact that, boy, a win is a win. They're hard to come by in the NFL. But, but, so many things happen in this one that make it tough to feel optimistic, and that's what I'm seeing a lot from fans out there, Murph. But as always... I'm going to turn to you first. Tell me a little bit about this game. Clearly, we wish the best to Jimmy Garoppolo, who's injured, got in an ambulance, according to Heidi Fang over at the Las Vegas Review-Journal, to go to the hospital uh, for a back injury. We don't know the extent of what it is. Hopefully, we'll find out later. But again, Jimmy G's going to be out maybe for an expe- extended period of time. Uh, and want to get your sense, though, Mo, uh, excuse me, Murph. I'm so used <laughs> to saying Mo. I called you Mo. Um, I'm so used to that. But here's the deal. This team wins the second in a row. I mean, a two-game winning streak this season. They get back to 500. Tell me overall how you're feeling about this win. Yeah, I was pretty fired up. You know, the way that that game ended, like, you know, if if you're a Raider fan watching on the couch like I was, uh, you you came up out of your chair a little bit and got pretty (laughs) feisty around the idea that, you know, I've talked a lot about this Raiders team and about how they've lacked having a closer, whether that be offensively or defensively. You know, defensively, our closer was Khalil Mack forever. 
Uh, well, not forever, but for the four years that he was there. But he was the guy that would pick off Cam Newton. He was the guy and run into the end zone. He was the guy that would get you that clutch play on third down when the game was on the line. And we hadn't had a, a really good closer. Offensively, Josh Jacobs has been definitely been a closer for us. But to see Max Crosby step up in that moment and, you know, look at I, I understand context, just like I understood context last week, too. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to win an NFL game. It's also another thing, depending on what, which opponent you're matching up against. And the, listen, the Patriots are down. They're down bad. But the idea that the Raiders were still able to pull it off in that fashion at home in front of a majority Raider crowd that was very encouraging and that was very exciting as a fan. So uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that a lot of my Raider nation brethren out there that you're all fired up as well. And listen, we got another one that's very winnable on the docket coming up. And I'm sure we're going to get into to more of not only this game, but the way that the, the schedule is going to project out and things are looking pretty good for the Raiders considering mm-hmm. what our schedule looks like and knowing now that, you know, there's some, there was, yes, there was some other games on the schedule already, that the Raiders should have won on paper. But now we've definitively shown now back-to-back weeks that we, they're good enough to beat the teams that we would think that they would be good enough to, to beat going into the, to, to the game. Well, let me ask you, and, yeah. and you're, you're right. And I think that the positives, again, and just like last week, I want to start off with some of those because I know everybody in the chat is um, <laughs> is back to some of the things that we heard last week about firing the coach and all that stuff. And we'll get to that too because there is some discussion there. But uh, the tight ends. Where have the tight ends been? Well, geez, they were back in play this game. We saw Michael Mayer start out fast. We saw Austin Hooper get a nice catch. We saw two tight end sets, which I was hearing all summer that they were going to use a lot. They haven't used it a lot, but we saw them certainly come out in this game. It was nice to see that. I thought that in, in part they were doing that at the beginning of the game to give Jimmy Garoppolo the opportunity to start to move the ball around and give him an outlet, right? So without going vertical, without going just to Josh Jacobs every time, he was going to have another outlet. That's what he did in San Francisco a lot. So the fact that Josh McDaniels got that uh, early into the game plan made me feel really good about it. Michael Mayer had a great game, of course, 75 yards, five touch, 15 yards a catch, by the way. I mean, you get, you got to love that. And when the Raiders are still struggling to run the ball, he was able to give them another opportunity to do that. So to me, that was one of the big positives to see them come out and use the tight ends. But then seemingly they went away from it for a little bit. And I don't understand why. That's for, for later on. But uh, you had to feel good about that. Wasn't it good to see the kid get get out there and get his hands wet? Absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, we, I, on this microphone and every other show that we've done so far this year, we've all said, you know, why do we draft Michael Mayer? Like I didn't, I didn't understand it when we first drafted the guy because I, you know, obviously the defensive uh, deficiencies were so prevalent with this team. So when we drafted a tight end that early, you know, I, I, I was a little bit of a head scratcher, but then as I learned more about his gameplay and what the offense was going to do and his success in college and his skill sets. And then of course, with the departure of Darren Waller, like it all started to kind of come together and it made sense to me why the Raiders drafted the guy, but then we didn't use him. So then looking back on it, reflecting, I'm wondering what was the reason for drafting? Well, now we're starting to see it. Is that, is that a function of Josh McDaniels and, you know, in his play calling, which seemed to be much better today. It seemed to be the Raiders had a different spirit about them. I still want to understand if this is a product of going up against a very bad New England football team 
or is this a product of the Raiders kind of getting their shit? To, I'm sorry, getting their stuff together. That's okay, <laughs> offensively and, and the play calling is it starting to come together? Is, is Josh McDaniels look at how many times we saw Thayer Munford come in and block as that extra lineman? And like all season long, it's one of the things we've been screaming about really ever since the Khalil Mack game. Like, why aren't we bringing in out extra offensive linemen? We know that this offense has done that before. And that's the whole reason they retained him to bring him in add additional protection, help in the running game. And then finally, we saw that stuff tonight. So while we would like to see those things maybe happen more in-game adjustments, we're yeah. starting to see that stuff now show up on the field. So anyways, to your point, is this a product of Michael Mayer's improvement? Is it Josh McDaniels? Is it a combination of both? I don't know, but it sure as heck, to your point, it sure was nice to see that this young man stepped up and had a good game. And then also, too, as Brian Hoyer then enters into the game, and I'm with you on the on Jimmy. Like, I mean, I, gosh, I hope the guy's okay. You don't you don't hear people going to the hospital for a back issue. Uh, so hopefully, there's not anything more serious going on there. Uh, you know, like a dislocation or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I wonder what or what actually happened. Kidney. There. I mean, you could have all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. So, like, I I, I hope hopefully it's nothing major. But that said, we, here comes Brian Hoyer, and all of us are having a collective like. Uh oh! <laughs> like this is not gonna go well. And then all of a sudden, dude starts lighting up Trey Tucker. He's yeah. like, "All right, like okay, like you." So the ball started getting spread around a little bit differently. Um, I know Devonte didn't have the game uh, that he would have liked to have had, but as I I heard, uh, it was either Jim or Tony on the on the way out say they're like, "Well, you know, on the stat sheet, Devonte Adams didn't have a Devonte Adams game. He was creating a lot for his teammates, and sure. so that yeah. was really good to, to to hear as well. That you know, I'm not a film guy, but I always like to go back and like try to ascertain as much of it as I can, and uh, and I look forward to seeing that and what the, what he meant by that comment about Devonte taking away coverages and allowing other guys to get open because that's that's encouraging as well. So considering all the things that were stacked up against the Raiders in this game, again context, yeah, it's a bad New England football team, but we won. Like, we freaking won, and we won in the fashion that we should have, and we scored more than 20 points. Yes, more than 20 points thanks to Max Crosby. Not because of the offense, because Max Crosby gets the that's late true. safety. But again, that's the kind of guy he is. He's uh, he's a game changer, and that's that's what he does. Um, the other thing I want to get into, though, here is, is to your point, Brian Hoyer comes off the bench, and everybody's, oh, no, if we would have had Aiden O'Connell. And you know what? Brian Hoyer goes out there. I'm not saying Brian Hoyer is a guy who's going to take you to the playoffs or any of that jazz. I'm just saying he came out, and I have to say, you hit on a really good point. In his first six passes, five of them went to different receivers. Okay. We have not seen that from Jimmy Garoppolo. And 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 yes, we wish him well. I hope he's doing okay in the hospital. Jimmy Garoppolo continues to be terrible. He just is. He's not, he's not the quarterback that he was billed to be. And I'm not saying we all knew he was a bridge quarterback, but he's supposed to take care of the ball. He's supposed to be efficient. He's not been either. I don't blame the interception on him to, tonight on, on Jimmy Garoppolo, actually. I mean, Devontae Adams just got drilled, okay? And he dropped the ball, and that's what happened. So, and it came, became an interception. So that, I don't put that on Jimmy Garoppolo. But I do say, as I said last week, that it's just not working. And to see Brian Hoyer go in there, it was nice because you saw the offense. You saw the shot down the field. You saw Trey Tucker. By the way, Trey Tucker was used earlier in the game when Garoppolo was there on the same route. And guess what? He was open, but Jimmy Garoppolo didn't see him. So, so again, you're seeing a little bit different. And I'm not here to tell you be excited about Brian Hoyer being your starting quarterback for the next six weeks or whatever it's going to be. But okay, I am you. telling you that the offense uh, did better with him in there. It's clear. Now, in the red zone, same old, same old. Red zone was, again, a disaster. Six of seven trips to the red zone, one touchdown. Okay? One 
touchdown. Mm-hmm. Not good. And and actually, that's if you weren't facing a team like the Patriots, you might not have won this one. Let's be let's be real here, right? It's, again, I agree with you, Murph. It's a win, and they're hard to come by in the NFL. So anytime you get one, it's a good thing, and it doesn't matter who it is. They line up against who they got to play, and they play them. But they certainly did it. The defense on the other side, I thought, did amazing, except for that first drive in the second half. I don't know what happened to them. It was like the pod people from Invasion of the Body Snatchers were there and took them at halftime. Uh, on that 75-yard drive by the Patriots. But otherwise, they played well. They're not perfect. They they don't have all the talent they need. But with what they have, they've been playing very, very well. I was encouraged to see the defensive front early in the game yes. get pressure up the middle. Yes. I mean, so so I, I'm not saying it was perfect, but those were the encouraging signs to me on the defensive side along with the Brian Hoyer issue. Yeah, seeing those guys get busy up front, that was really encouraging. You know, seeing Jenkins have a day, have a day Matthew Butler uh, have a day. Of course, I mean, Max Crosby, uh, you know, I picked him to as a, you know, to win defensive player of the year this year. Yeah. And I still think that he's in the hunt for that. I mean, unfortunately, oh, yeah. the Raiders schedule is going to is gonna get in the way of that. And, you know, and Micah Parsons is playing out of his mind. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, competition for that, that, that award this year. But this is the kind of game where, you know, Max Crosby just, I mean, he wrecked it. He wrecked him in the fourth quarter, and especially that last drive. Like, I mean, the guy is just, and in the, the late hit, you know, that was ticky-tack as it was anyways. But, like, okay, so what? So we go from the third, you know, yard line to the one-yard line. Whatever, it's still first down. Go in there and get an extra shot. Like, and, and I don't even think it was that malicious. But, like, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that we love. Like, Raider Nation loves that stuff. Like, yeah, like, dude, get scrappy. You know, beat Josh Jacobs, get scrappy after getting taken down to the ground oh, hard. Oh, Come yeah. up swinging a little bit. Like, I love that. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they got the penalty. Like, you know, that's I, I, I think it's in, incredibly encouraging the spirit that this team has played with. We've talked so much endlessly about on this show and others about the, the leadership of Josh McDaniels or lack thereof and the dysfunction and losing the potential, losing the locker room and all that kind of still to have those guys come out as they did last week. And I, and I, and I really felt it last week. I think the, the staff collectively looked, and again, I don't, I don't know that listen, I don't, I'm not in meetings and Ed, Ed Henderson, I don't know the ins and outs of every little thing about the, the, the you know, the game plans and the, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that I know any of that, but I will tell you what, when you, when you trust your optics, when you, when you, when you trust the eye test, how does the team Look, how do they look on the sideline? How do they look with their body language? Are they getting in and out of plays? Are they getting in? When you start to look at those things, you can see when coaching is going well and you can see when it's not going so well. Tonight was one of those nights where it seemed like it was going very well. Things were clicking with with the entirety of the team. Versus last week, where it still seemed like it was still some miscommunication, still some some lack of a sense of urgency, still some slowness to it. But the players willed them to that win last week. So I kind of got the idea that like tonight was a little bit more of a hybrid of that. We saw the dog come out and a lot of players we saw come out. And Meek, again, who's becoming one of my favorite Raiders, current Raiders, we saw it come out in Josh Jacobs. You see it come out in... uh, And of course, Max Crosby. So as the as the dog starts to come out in these players and the coaching staff collectively starts to come together, I mean, that's a recipe to win some games. And I'm still thinking the Raiders are a nine win football team this year. Somebody tell me they're not. I would understand the idea that 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 people would speak against that or for that. You know, you, you, a lot of folks out there think the Raiders can still win off win ten games. My uncle Mosh is one of them. I don't think so. <laughs> I think when you look at the schedule, though. When you look at the winnable games on the schedule, 
This is an, I'm, you know, as bad as we thought they were three weeks ago, here I am. I'm back on the airwaves again saying, well, this is a team that's going to win nine games, which is what I thought that they were going to win going into the season. Because of the, when you look at the schedule way that plays out, you know, it's, there's some winnable games in there for these Raiders. Well, and that's, that's why we love you on here because you are always optimistic and we love that. Uh, I am not as much optimistic. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll tell you why. So I'll be the I'll be the yin to your yang, right? Okay. Um, and that is, and and I see this a lot from the chat, too, and I don't disagree with anything you've said. And and listen, it's a funny game, Murph. Like anything can happen, right? You talk about games and schedules and injuries, how people start to develop when you don't think they're going to develop. I mean, things can things can go crazy. You just never know. So so the fact that nine wins, I mean, I, I'm still saying seven, so I'm not that far off from you. You talk about the difference between two games. Sometimes you lose them by one or two points. You just never know. But the reason that I'm still stuck on seven is because of what I saw tonight with that red zone office, one of seven, one, or excuse me, 17% in the red zone. Um, and, and the fact that you just can't get the quarterback play you need. You're not getting what you need. The offensive line is still struggling with the running game, if you saw it. Now, we know that's because the line is not playing as well as it needs to. It's also because opponents are stacking the box against Josh Jacobs, right? They knew with Jimmy Garoppolo, you're not going to go down the field a ton. So I'm going to stick everybody in the middle and say, throw it against me. And when you can't throw it against them, guess what? They're going to shut down the run. Now, we saw some daylight today, at, I think, at certain points, which was a good, good sign for this Raiders team and, and nice one long run by, by Josh Jacobs, but still not where they need it to be. Then I look at what this team has been able to not do when it comes to the coaching. Again, we saw, I think, and I'm not here, everybody's saying fire him, fire him. I don't think he's getting fired, so I'm not here to say that. But what I'm telling you is that we saw play calling towards the end of the game with the last field goal, for example, right? Third, you're third down and, and you're right down there two yards to go and, and you run it up the gut again, right? And if there's no creativity, there's no play action. I know Brian Hoyer is not fleet of foot. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be Lamar Jackson. I get it. But it's just, there was a lot of a lack of creativity there. And to me, it all came to bear in the red zone. There was good creativity outside the red zone. We saw some nice plays. You were talking about the use of Trey Tucker, the tight end calls, all that stuff. I give Josh Jacobs credit, or excuse me, Josh McDaniels credit for that because he was doing things differently and trying to help out there. But then you got in the red zone and it's like the sphincter tightens up as much as it can tighten up. And you can't get a, you know, I mean, it's like you can make a diamond, right? So to me, that's what's going to limit this team. So I'm not just blaming the coach. Although I think he bears a lot of the responsibility along with the quarterback who's now injured. So maybe it's a moot point and he won't be playing for a while. I don't know. But to me, that's where I see people's trepidation here because they want to be excited about the win, but they're like, but, oh, you know, ugly win, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's where people get hooked. Now, some people will always be negative and you can't control that. We know that from doing what we do, Murph. But at the same time, you have to, to me, it's a limiting factor because if you were playing the Chiefs in this game or if you were playing a better team, because remember, right now, outside of the Carolina Panthers, really the Patriots are the worst team in the NFL. And again, you line up and play against who you play against, but I think that's where people's mindset is. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. That said, yeah, that's what I think too in just a different version of that. So, you know, when you make the point of, well, the Raiders were successful in this game, you know, even though they had these deficiencies and like as you, as you cited the red zone, but considering their opponent is so bad, then we're able to get away with it. Okay, well, let's look at the schedule. So we've got the Bears coming up next, who also is in the running for the worst team in football. So we're gonna we, we're gonna be able to beat them. And we got the Lions. We'll probably get smoked by the Lions, and that's my expectation: is that we're not good enough to compete with the elite teams in the NFL. And then the Giants are on our schedule. The Giants are just outside those top three for being one of the worst teams in football. Then you got a Jets team who no one knows what that's going to be about. We'll get smoked by the Dolphins. We'll get smoked by the Chiefs. The, the Vikings game is winnable for us. The Chargers game is winnable for us. Then we'll get smoked by the Chiefs. The Colts game is winnable for us. And then the Broncos, which is a winnable game. So, like, that's where I'm saying that, like, Raider Nation, like, I'm with you. Like, this is this is not like this. I keep saying like a lot. Somebody pointed that out to me by the other way. They're like, you say like a lot. All right, well, I'll try to quit it. This I understand <laughs> the idea that this team is not going to go toe to toe with the Chiefs or again right. the other elite right. teams in the NFL. That doesn't matter when it comes to the schedule because we don't have to. There's so many damn games on our schedule that are against awful football teams that are more awful than us, and we're awful. The Raiders are not the Raiders that haven't changed my opinion in three weeks that all of a sudden we're this like great football team. But what I am saying is that they're seemingly pulling some things together and getting themselves to the point where they can beat the most beatable teams in the NFL. Well, we have some of the most beatable teams in the NFL on our schedule. So at the end of the season, when we've won eight games or nine games, I said this in freaking March of this year, the most Raidery thing that's going to happen is that this team will win eight or nine games and the narrative going into the offseason from the front office and everybody else will be, well, we got better. So we're going to stick with what we've got. We're going to stick with the front office and we're going to continue the process. That's what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, Raider Nation, mark it down on October 15th or whatever the hell the date is today. 15th. That's what's going to happen. We're going to win a freaking bunch more, fo- more than you think. I, this season is going to turn out better than we realize. It, it's not going to Vegas had us at six wins on this thing. We're going to win eight freaking games or nine games. And then I'm telling you, these are terrible football teams on our list coming up here. Yeah. We just but, played one. Murph, we only Murph, got a score okay, to one point. But Murph, and, and you know me, I, I'm with you because you passionately laid it out on your show one time, which is the whole tanking thing is ridiculous. And I'm not saying you tank, like that's just, it's professional no, football. You don't no. think. But I do understand people's points of view, and I'm seeing it in the chat right now, too. And I know you see it on your show, which is this idea that, okay, if you finish at eight or nine wins, then you're not going to be in position to draft what you need the most, which is a franchise quarterback for the future. Now, that said, I understand, but no guarantee. Caleb Williams, we saw him get his ass beat yesterday at Notre Dame, go Irish. 
Uh, and and suddenly <laughs> suddenly people are there's stories out. Well, is he really the best quarterback, or is Drake May? Be-? So again, this is the ebb and flow of the NFL college football season going all the way to the draft in April. So we understand that, but I think that's where people are. Like they do, they want to. To your point, they want to get better. They want the Raiders to do better. And so it is a very interesting question: Do you get better by being 500, which or near 500, which you can't be 500 anymore? In the NFL, because that's like purgatory, as I call it, right? Uh, versus yeah. if you finish with five wins or six wins, then you're going to be in the top five or six picks in the draft, and suddenly you're in a better position to do that. Now, again, there's positives and negatives. There's trade-offs with everything. So when you're that bad, then suddenly maybe Devontae Adams wants out. And then when you're that bad, maybe even Max Crosby. I know he's probably going to be a Raider for life. I know it's sacrilege to even mention it. But maybe he wants out. You just don't know what's going to happen there, right? It's unknown. Versus the other side of it, which is, hey, we're close. Okay, I'm sticking with this team because I know we're just a couple players away from blowing it open. To me, the biggest disappointment here is that you have an offense that you're paying so much money towards and it can't perform. And I don't necessarily believe, tell me if you disagree, Murph, I don't believe it's the players uh, outside of one or two that are not playing up to their full ability. I think they are. I think Jimmy Garoppolo clearly is not. And I think you have some problems on the offensive line. Outside of that, everybody's given all they got. And I think they're good when they do get the ball. They're doing what they're supposed to. So to me, I think that's where it's such a quandary. Because I'm with you. Hey, win as many games as you can. That's the whole point of the game. But at the same time, how do you get much better next year so that we're not talking about, hey, if they make the playoffs, you're talking about, hey, how deep can we go in the playoffs? Well, I think ultimately there's there's a lot to that. And, and <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there. So in the offseason, when it comes time to draft, that's the most important thing in terms of building your team, right? Because you, you don't, And you don't build your team on first-round picks. Look, I, I yeah. understand that the Raiders are striving for a franchise quarterback, as all teams are, because until you get one, like it's, it's, it's pretty tough to win in this league. But it's not hard to win eight or nine games without a franchise quarterback, and that's what the Raiders are, like I just got done saying, are, are likely going to do. But when you look at the teams that, like, that, that are elite, they've all hit on – quarterbacks even on an occasion like the Niners like they swung at Brock Purdy who was Mr. Irrelevant and have this gem that they stumbled upon practically and I'm not you know whatever props to them and their scouting department for for being willing to draft the guy to begin with but that's the kind of thing we're talking about look at Tom Brady six round draft pick right like these teams stumble upon these franchise quarterbacks and you have this run to greatness it doesn't always have to come at the top of the draft and I think that that's a mistake like there's very, you know, there's way more Jamarcus Russells and freaking Ryan Leafs than there are Peyton Mannings. It, it's not always like an absolute lock. And you dra- look at all the teams that drafted quarterbacks early on this year. Like, where are they at? How are they doing? You know, everybody outside of CJ Stroud is is kind of struggling. So I don't think that that's necessarily like a, 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 a has to be. But at some point, you do have to draft well. And that's mm-hmm. what the Raiders haven't done. And I think that's if there's anything that's been the biggest indictment of this football team for a very long time, going back to well before Al Davis passed, was our inability to draft effectively. When you look at the draft Absolutely. classes of the Raiders year over year over year over year, They've been terrible, and the NFL is set up for parity. It is set up to reward the teams at the end of the year that have that have not done well and allow them to build into to bigger and better football teams. And the Raiders, for 
numerous reasons have never been able to capitalize on that, including most recently when we acquired a bounty of picks from the Chicago Bears in exchange for Khalil Mack and absolutely crapped the bed on just about everything that we ever did with that. That's the failure of the Raiders. When you look at, you know, look at like what would what what the Cowboys did when they traded Herschel Walker away. Was oh, it Herschel yeah. Walker trade? Yeah. Yes. When they got and they drafted a Super Bowl team. Yeah. <laughs> So it wasn't because they drafted Troy Aikman. It was because they drafted. I don't even know everybody was in that draft. You know, chat room picked me up. A bunch of guys. Yeah. Bunch of guys. So it's like, that's the point that like the Raiders haven't drafted at all. Well, on a a consistent. Absolutely. And that's where the, that's where the the build is going to happen, Scott. So while I'm with you that like, you know, you don't want to be at eight and eight. I remember the the Jeff Fisher with the, with the Titans. I swear they were like eight and eight for like five years in a row. They were they were stuck in that in that uh, that uh, you know purgatory. That said, what 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 got them out of that was was by you know drafting well as they had those higher positions. So, anyways, I don't even know where I'm going with all that now. That's okay. Gosh, no, but it, I think your point though your okay. point is right. well taken because uh, we've been talking about uh, you know just behind the scenes talking about draft position and all that kind of stuff is because you get start to get through a little more than a quarter of the year and you start to see the teams like the Chicago bears are going to be at the bottom. You think of the Carolina Panthers, you know, now zero and six at the bottom of the barrel and the Broncos at one and five, probably not going to get much better. So you start to look at those teams and what they're going to use. So even for Raider fans, uh, the Raiders winning a second game last week, even, you know, everybody wants Caleb Williams. Guess what? You're not going to get him. I'm sorry. You're not going to get the first pick. No way. So, okay. Then Drake may, well, yeah, Drake may is going to go probably third. Because the Bears have the first two picks. They're going to pick Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver out of Ohio State, along with their new quarterback. Okay? So you have that. And by the time the Raiders pick at seven or eight, those guys are gone. I'm not saying, to your point, you can still get a good quarterback there. They're not the sexy names everybody wants. That's the problem. But Bo Nix, all these other guys that are doing well in college. But you're right. And the problem with the Raiders has been not being able to capitalize on the draft. You're absolutely correct. Even Tyree Wilson still trying to play his way in. We'll see what happens there. It's too early to make a final judgment on that. But you saw Michael Mayer, second round draft pick, did really well. Ja'Korian Bennett has done well this year at times as well. So you're seeing Trey Tucker, a fourth round pick. Same thing. So you're seeing them start to do that because a lot of people saying that the Raiders draft class this year sucked. And it's simply not true. If you're judging that on the progress of Tyree Wilson, okay, I understand where you're at, but you're not considering everybody else. So so there is some to that, and I agree with you. And I think that that's the, the problem is people want absolutes, right? So either be really terrible so we can get the top three pick or 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 you better be a playoff team. And, and I don't think it's realistic. So I think what's going to happen here, right, is you can see progression. My issue still, though, and I this is where I understand the people who are upset, is the fact that the offense continues to struggle. And that has to correct. And through six weeks, man, that's tough to watch an offense do that or not be able to score in the red zone, no matter who the quarterback is. And some of that I know is going to come to bear this week as we talk about it. But but you're right, Murph. Look, you you, you play to win the game. And I know people don't want to hear it, but the Raiders aren't going to tank for anybody. It doesn't happen that way, especially when a guy's trying to keep his job as coach, whether you want him there or not. That's what's happening. And so we'll have to see what happens there. But I think I think there are some people who are optimistic like you that say, look, the schedule. And I said it before the game started. And Mo did a piece up on uh, Sports Not about this, which was this next three games is a key stretch for this team. Next four games, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lions game is going to be tough. I get it. But you look at what happened today with some of the upsets. The Jets just beat the Eagles, right? So 
You have all this stuff going on. Whoa. You just never know. Yeah. Jets beat the Eagles. The Browns beat the 49ers. I mean, yeah. you never know. And to that's to your point, seven games, nine games, difference can be very, very slim, and it usually is in the NFL. Yeah, shout out the money line on the Cleveland Browns. Thanks, BetMGM. Uh, but, uh, you know, you make, a, as always, Scott, great points. And, and I think that if anything that I'll, I'll be overly critical of and continue to be critical of is your exact point. We were told that this system, this offensive mm -hmm. system, that they only needed their guys. They only needed the players that could fit their roles and all that, which, and I, I still am not a fan of coaches that do that. I'm a fan of coaches that can come into an environment, you know, assess what they have in terms of skill sets and players and abilities, and then develop things around what's already there. That's, I think that's where true, not true, but like that really good coaches can do that. You can, can come into a new environment and, t and take advantage of what's already there and then build on that versus a guy that comes in and goes, nope, that, you know, two thirds of you got to go because you got to do it my way. And we can only have certain people to do things my way. So I just never been a big fan of that in general. All that said, there's now been a, a year and almost a half of Josh McDaniels being able to plug and play his guys, including his quarterback that, mm -hmm. oh yeah, what was the big knock against Jimmy G? And, and I wish nothing but the best for that man. And I hope he's okay. And whatever he's dealing with, with this back issue that said, every, I mean, the one big knock, despite the long ball and all that other stuff, what was the one big knock was his ability to stay healthy. Well, here we are, you know, already can't stay healthy. It's just now the, the, the second time that we've been dealing with this from mm -hmm. post the concussion. And, the, and then now this, and so, you know, I I'm with you that like, there was no excuses built in for McDaniels to sputter on defense. We would understand if the team still had challenges on defense, but here's the defense freaking balling out and the offense is stuttering. The last two games, it's bizarro, bizarro world going on. So yeah. I'm, I'm with you, and I think that's entirely fair criticism there. And I'll say this last thing too for anybody that that's out there, and and I know that we have a lot of Southern California Raider fans, and I full on acknowledge that the rate uh, the uh, the league moved the wrong team to Los Angeles. <laughs> it's, it's a damn Raider town, and God darn it, they should be playing down there. That said. You're not getting Caleb Williams. Stop it with that. Stop with the Caleb Williams stuff. I know you're all USC fans and you want him to be on the team. And I know he, he's a phenom. And I know 100% of everything that everyone ever says on Twitter about Caleb Williams is right, even despite this game against, against Notre Dame. That said, he ain't going to be a Raider. It, they would have to go 0 for the rest of the year and still trade up. It's not going to happen. The Raiders are not going to get Caleb Williams. I, I think we're in more of the like the big Phoenix energy kind of situation here. Yeah. That's probably what's going going to happen yeah. for, for the yeah. Raiders. And frankly, and that you know, and that, I think that's the more you know likely of scenarios is that the Raiders are going to be able to pull a quarterback like that. That said, as well on the whole tank thing. There is no such thing in the NFL. We have denounced that from day one. It's a silly thing. It's up there with the Raiders are broke as far as lazy takes go. Like, <laughs> be better. It's, it's just, it doesn't, it's, there's no truth to it. And if that were the actual case, Aiden O'Connell would be your starter from here the rest of the way out. If they were really trying to put out, you know, a, a product that was, that was say, okay, we're not going to openly tank, but we're going to put, out their positions and and players that we are going to look and watch develop and blah, blah, blah. That's what you would see. Aiden O'Connell yeah. would have started this game. That, yeah. The end. 
Right. But that didn't happen. And that's not going to happen. And he's still the emergency quarterback was listed as inactive today. So until that happens, that's when the Raiders have thrown in the towel and on the season. And even then, I don't think they've truly thrown in the towel. I think they just no, want to get a good try. Win, but you know, that they don't have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. Right. But you know, if, if it gets to the point now, if let's say Jimmy Garoppolo is out for several weeks, we don't know yet. If he is and Hoyer is a starter and Hoyer goes down or Hoyer is not performing, then you say, okay, at that point, we know what Brian Hoyer has been in the league 15 years. If he's not moving this team, then you might as well put in the rookie and take your lumps. Okay. That's what you do. Uh, doesn't mean that when your other guys get healthy, you don't put them back in. So that's, that's the point. And we don't know what Aiden O'Connell is because he's a fourth round draft pick. We all like to see him play. We thought he did really well in the preseason. So we'll see what happens there. But no, your, your points are all dead on. And I think you look at this game and there's a lot of disappointment over what didn't happen. Uh, but you have to look at again. The defense continues to get better. That is a very, very, very important thing. I know it's not all the way there, but seeing as how they played in the first couple of games of the season versus the last three games, yeah. the, the second half of the Charger game particularly, that's when it seemed to start through these two games. I know New England stinks, but it doesn't matter. They played, they had a couple bad drives here and there, but you got to feel really good about that and feel good about some of those young players that are doing well, not just the ones don't focus on the ones that aren't doing well, focus on the guys that are. And I think that that's a, a big takeaway for me from this game as well. Murph, before we go, um, well, first of all, I want to tell people, make sure you follow Murph on X.com at underscore Murph. And also make sure you follow Raiders fan radio uh, here on YouTube and also download their podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can find them as well um, and do a lot of great work. And as always, we do super chat. When we do super chat, we're donating the proceeds back to the one nation foundation uh, and, and give your spiel about the one nation foundation again, before we get going here, Murph. Yeah, thank you, Scott, as always, for the platform. And thank you to everybody that has contributed to the success of the One Nation Foundation this year. Uh, we give to strictly Raiders-related charities through our nonprofit, uh, which is the One Nation Foundation. And uh, uh, we, we give to uh, numerous Raider-related charities like the good folks at Raider Dad uh, has been one that we just joined up with this year. And our, our biggest uh, uh, foundation that we give to our biggest charity we give to every year is the Bolitnikoffs. It's Fred and Angela and the amazing work that they are doing with young women who are at risk of domestic violence and substance abuse. Uh, and so we are giving them a check for $15,000 this year wow. uh, based on, on everything that, uh, that you all have contributed. And there are so many of you in this listening audience here at Silver and Black today and can't thank Scott and Mo enough for the platform here. Uh, we've seen a huge jump in, in uh, you know, in our, our raising of capital this year uh, for the foundation due to, you know, this show and can't thank you all enough for the platform and, and, for all of those of you out there in the listening audience that, that contribute. And if you want to give to it directly, you can go to onenationfoundation.net and just hit the donate button there and you can uh, you can give directly there or just by jumping in our show, any of the super chats that we receive, any of the merch sales that we have, uh, any of our advertising opportunities like Manscaped, 100% of that money goes to the foundation. So even if you're not able to contribute monetarily, just hit a like, hit a subscribe, hit a thumbs up, tell a Raider friend about our show. Uh, we just appreciate you guys so very, very much and the support you give us. And we're looking forward to even bigger and better things next year. And uh, just keep this thing going and keep raising money for uh, for for you know good folks that are in need that's awesome man i appreciate it as always murph thanks and by the way right after we get off here you can go catch murph and jeff and michelle as they do their post game show so make sure you head over there too It'll be a good time yeah you got you, you ready for that you took your vitamins today well i guess it's me and uncle mosh it's my oh, uncle, uncle mosh today oh he, he heard that somebody else is going to take a spice there coming he is. To yell. 
<laughs> I love it. I don't think it. I can't see where you're at in about three hours, pal. <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. That's good. Well, All right. So there you go. He got the cameo. There we go. He got it in there. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be on with uh, at Raiders Fan Radio uh, doing our live show. And thank you again, Scott. We can't appreciate you enough, man. Uh, and we can't wait to – so the, the Fan Cave 1.2 is almost done, pal. So we gotta, we got to get you down here. You got to get I'm down coming. here, Scott, and join us in the Fan Cave. I will for sure, without a doubt. When it's done, I'm there. You got it. All, All right. right, my friend. Take care. We'll talk All to right, you next week. All right, have a good – let's go beat the Bears. Let's go. <laughs> there you go there's murph uh we certainly always appreciate him being on and you know what the enthusiasm look i understand people not being happy with the win and all that stuff i get it to a certain degree you know we've all been sports fans and had our teams do things and we wish they do them better uh, but at the same time look it's a win so enjoy that piece of it and the rest of it'll solve itself it's got to take some time but i do think and i know mo and i will talk about this on the podcast on Tuesday. So make sure you catch the new show with Mo and I on Tuesday. We're going to get into a lot of these issues. And I think number one, you're going to see Josh McDaniels have to deal with is the red zone issue. Okay. So the two big issues this, this week, and I know he's hurt is going to be the quarterback again, because the play even before he was injured was not good. And two is going to be the red zone efficiency and the fact that they can't score in the red zone and they can't score period with an offense that's making $120 million. So from that perspective, that's what we're going to talk about on the technical side of things. But for tonight, at least enjoy the win, your second in a row. And the Raiders have a favorable schedule, as Murph said, coming up. I mean, they're in Chicago next week. So it'll be an early game. And we'll see the the, the Bears are reeling. I know that Justin Fields got hurt today. I'm, I don't have any reports on him yet, but we'll see how that all goes. But anyway, I want to thank you guys all for being with us here on the post game show, Silver and Black today. Uh, if you missed part of the show and you want to hear the rest of it, you can catch it here on YouTube, obviously, but also you can catch it will be available for download and an audio format on our audio podcast. So we thank you for everybody in the chat on YouTube. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of your comments and we appreciate you guys taking the time to spend some time with us. For our producer, Mike Robbie, for Murph, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Take care, everybody.